look at your oh. cottage. It looks like a witchy cottage. <laughs> this is the mead hall. This is where the grove meets on Friday nights. So, so yeah. Oh, wow. It looks like kind of everybody's fantasy of what a witchy cottage would look like. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Peace, love, and all that good shit. What if Dolly Parton? Hello, thanks for joining me for episode 547 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com where you will also find the show notes for this episode, including links to all things Opaluna. Opaluna is today's special guest. She is here to talk about fiber magic, spell work by way of crochet and braiding and weaving and knot work. It's a super interesting conversation. And I'm also going to link to today's sponsor. We have a sponsor, whoop whoop, a witchy sponsor. Yes. The witches at the Witch Life podcast are hosting a That Witch Life mini con, which is a one day virtual conference on March 5th, 2022. You can join from anywhere for workshops on herbalism, working with the gods and suburban magic led by That Witch Life hosts. Kanani Soleil, Courtney Weber, and Hillary Whitmore with a special masterclass on DNA ancestry magic with Stephanie Rose Bird. And the conference will include rituals, raffles, and all kinds of magical things. So you can register for that at thatwitchlife.com. Thatwitchlife.com. And make sure you check out that Witch Life podcast while you're there or on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. You will find them there. That Witch Life, thanks for sponsoring the show today. My favorite thing about today's episode is it really demonstrates this idea that I was just talking, where was I talking about this? It was in a mastermind, I think, over on Patreon. We were talking about how when you come from a super Christian background, like your entire community, the entire community you grew up in is Christian and it's just assumed that everyone is Christian and that Christians are good people, even after you've moved on, there can be some guilt about that because often it seems when you grow up in that environment that Christians are the first people to take the shirt off their back and offer it to you if you need one or to open their home to you if you need that. And what I have learned by participating in the witchy community is that this is not a Christian thing. This is a human thing. This is a human thing. And I'm going to give a shout out to an old school YouTube witch Tiptoe Chick. I have mentioned this before. She passed away a few Halloweens ago unexpectedly. She was very young, 
beloved YouTube witch. Many people started with Tiptoe Chick. And she did this thing one time where she had her YouTube subscribers pitch in to raise money to donate to this hospital. And then she went to the hospital in the name of witches and pagans and like made this little video where she dedicated, you know, she's like, this is from the witches and pagans on YouTube. And it was such a light bulb moment for me. And this interview reminds me of that because toward the end of it, Opal is talking about her work, doing her part to protect and maybe even heal the environment and helping the unhoused community, as we call them here, the homeless community, and doing it in small, practical, humble ways and with tons of love that I, growing up, used to associate with the church. And this is, again, it's not a churchy thing. It's a people thing. It's a good people thing. Kind people. And what I've learned about many witches and pagans is they have a reverence for life that is so beautiful and inspiring. And the way they treat other creatures is beautiful. And, and the way they revere the planet. So I think this interview at toward the end has a little flavor of that and then also during our chat she mentioned a new to me term called plarn to plarn is making plastic grocery bags into yarn so it's part craft part environmentalism and part good cause when you hear what they're doing with the plarn and it reminds me of this little movie. I want to say little, but there are big stars involved. It's a movie called The Last Keepers, and it stars Zasha Mamet. If you don't know her by name, you definitely would know her by face if you ever watched Girls on HBO or Voice, the sound of her voice. She's a phenomenal actress, and her character does something similar. She recycles trash into fashion, and she lives in this gorgeous natural setting in a magical house with her mom Virginia Madsen and her dad Aiden Quinn and her grandmother Olympia Dukakis. It is such an all-star cast but the movie feels small somehow. I never heard anybody talk about this movie. I just found it one day randomly on one of the streaming services I was subscribed to and it's so charming and cozy and witchy and so I thought I should mention it here. I've probably mentioned it here already, but the Plarn, the Plarn was giving me the Last Keepers vibes. I think this is going to be a really fun interview for anybody who loves cottagecore or grannycore or is really into a more physical, crafty kind of craft. The crafty craft. If you're into the crafty craft, this is the episode for you. And so I'll just roll right into it and assume that y'all are going to have a good time. Hi, Opal. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I just got a little peek at the place in which you live, and it looks so witchy. It looks like a witchy cottage. I love it with the mauvey pink walls. And do you know what cottage core is? 
Have you heard Absolutely. that term? Absolutely. I'm a big fan of uh, haunted cottage core. <laughs> oh, ha- what is haunted cottage core? It's cottage core with kind of a darker twist, you know, like you do, uh, you wait for the after Halloween sales to do your, um, <laughs> your decor shopping. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm so happy that terms like cottage core, granny core, granny chic, that they've come around because I've always felt like a little old lady inside. And I'm like, my time has come. (laughs) Yes. My doilies and granny squares make sense now. Yes. And I think that's why I gravitated immediately to your book, Cat from Llewellyn sent it to me with a really sweet note, like happy new year and really nothing, no agenda attached, just like happy new year. And I was like, can we please have Opal on the show? Because it just tapped into that, you know, feeling like a granny at heart because so much of it is crochet. Yes. Fiber magic. Now, when I say fiber magic, I don't necessarily limit people to yarn and cloth because to me, the very fiber of something is what it's made of. So I'm a very big fan of sympathetic magic and all the correspondences that go along with that. So I get down to the very fibers of things and think about what that yarn is made of or what that clay is made of. So that when you're working with your hands, that can just enhance the energy that you put into your finished product. Mm, So you're going back to the stripped down nature of the fiber that you're using, the the material, you're really connecting with the material. Yes. And adding layers and layers of that because the color would be another correspondence Add an oil, an herb, a crystal, a button, a bead, and you're embellishing. Embellishing is um, spell work. Yes. Yeah. During the pandemic, there were a lot of homey, crafty trends that went around. And there were a couple that really interested me and I can't remember the name of them. I think they both were Japanese and they were stitches that just for repairing your clothes, but also for embellishing your clothes. And I have a little collection of embroidery thread and I was like running around, (laughs) what can I stitch? I was so excited about putting like magical intentions into my torn jeans, for example. Yes, I, I I do know what you're talking about, and I don't know the name offhand either, but the Japanese are very big on making the repairs visible because mm-hmm. that's part of the character of yes. the item. I feel like it fits well in with the whole cottagecore aesthetic as well. I find that beautiful. I'm not into a very stripped down minimalist anything. I want to see the stitches. I want there to be a lot of color. I love a crocheted granny blanket. And what you've done in this book is offer many different patterns for people to crochet their own creations and other things. It's not just crochet, but I love that there's like a witchy hat. You can crochet your own witchy hat. Absolutely. And, and then decorate it to suit yourself. I don't think I can do this. I, I don't know, Opal. It looks very scary to me. What about like a complete beginner? Can a complete beginner crochet a witchy hat, like the pointed hat with the brim and all of that? Yes. 
Yes, they can. If they start from the beginning and take it one step at the time. I've taught many people to crochet and a lot of them get hung up on that chain stitch and they like, I can do a chain stitch and I can't go any further. So then I give them the chain spell to do with the chain stitch. There's magic every step of the way. Now just go back. And now you understand the chain stitch. Just go back and make a single crochet. You know, that is water. That is, that is your emotions. Let's, let's just get down and dirty with this, you know, and take it one step at a time. Um, nothing in the book is anything but basic crochet stitches. You're just putting them in the proper order. And uh, I've tried my best to uh, make it as simple as possible when I was writing the patterns. It was, it was really a journey for me to slow down and write patterns for people who have never crocheted before. You really have to think about it because sometimes when you've done it for a while, you forget that it's not commonplace for everybody. Mm. You know? Yeah, right. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So I have a Facebook group called the Fiber Magic Coven, and many people who have bought the book have been posting there that they have made things they never thought that they could make before. And everybody on the, the group is so supportive. They're like, that's awesome. And it really encourages people. I think, I think the, you're your own worst enemy when you learn a new skill because you think I could never do that, but why not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was, I was telling you earlier that I feel like a little granny at heart. I've just, when I was very young, I had a grandma. I called her tea party grandma because she always had a tea party for us. She made everything special and magical. She layered meaning into everything and she crocheted and her daughter, my grandma. So this was my great grandma. They both crocheted. And I vividly remember this little party around a fireplace where her and then these two relatives, I don't even know who they were. They were twins, but very elderly, especially from a child's perspective. They were all crocheting and they taught us a couple stitches. And I'm so mad that I don't remember how to do it because when I look at your book now, it just, I do feel intimidated, even with the most basic There's illustrations so you can see the crochet hook and you can see how many times you loop the yarn around and wondering if I can get back there somehow. Yes. Yes, you can. (laughs) And I have, I have some tutorials on uh, YouTube. Okay. So I'll have to link to your YouTube channel for people like me who feel intimidated. Oh, some people are visual learners. You know, some people can read it and understand it and just have something for everybody. I see in the book, there's a section on prayer beads, but I kept thinking about, I love chanting Mm -hmm. and I love working with mala beads while I'm Mm -hmm. chanting. There's something about it that it keeps you in the chant. It sets you free in a way, you know, because your hands are keeping track of the time in a way and keeping track of the chants. And I kept thinking about that when I was going through your book, like this must be what crochet can be, you know, like each stitch is like a little mala bead. Yes. It's very meditative. It's Mm -hmm. um, a moving meditation. And when you're doing something that you can do just from muscle memory, 
um, you know, a simple pattern or something like that, that you don't have to stop and keep looking at the book. You can just get into a groove and just go. And then, then you look down and you're surprised that six rows have passed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where was I? <laughs> it's hypnotic. I, you can kind of <laughs> hypnotize yourself and cast a spell on yourself. Yes. Yes. And that's great. Uh, you know, sit down. I crochet every day. It's part of my everyday life. So I don't know uh, how anxious of a person I would be if I didn't have that mm. relief every day. I'm, I'm sure more anxious than I am now. I'm pretty, pretty chill. <laughs> my, the great grandma, the tea party grandma I told you about, she passed away late elementary school. And then her daughter, my grandma just passed away a few months ago. And I inherited all their doilies and blankets, all the oh. crocheted. I, I'm in love. I'm, they're way more durable than you would think too. Oh, I, yes. My cats really are, they love them. <laughs> at first I was like, don't touch grandma's blanket, but uh, there's something sweet about it though at the same time. Fortunate. Yes. And I love to imagine like, what were they doing? What were they thinking about? What is this blanket infused with? Kind of going back to the moment where they actually made the blanket. Yes. Now when your tea party grandma made her doilies and blankets, there was probably a very limited television. Maybe she was listening to the radio a lot of times, you know, because you go back and uh, I mean, even in my lifetime, I remember there was only three TV channels. You didn't put the TV on 24 seven like we have it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she had to be singing or talking to people or doing something like that when she was crocheting. And I think all that energy goes, goes into your work too. Yeah, absolutely. Are you familiar with candle wicking? Do you know that term? I, I took a, a candle wicking class in junior high. I thought I was signing up for candle making. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's not it. Oh, no, it's no, making, it's, yeah, embroidery. it's, <laughs> yes, it's yes. embroidery. So I do have ex experience with cross stitch, quite a bit of cross uh -huh. stitch. And then this embroidery, which is basically knots. You just make these little knots and it also has that hypnotic yes. quality to it. Once you get into it, it's very satisfying to make a knot. Yeah, those little French knots that I try to make when I'm embroidering sometimes. I get so excited when one actually works. <laughs> yeah, and well, when they don't work, it's very upsetting too because then you have to like pick it apart. But it reminds me a little bit of crochet because you wrap the embroidery thread around the needle a couple of times and then you pull it through and that's what makes the knot. So I keep yeah. thinking if I can do that, I probably can do crochet. Yes, because you have a hook on the end crochet so it's even easier to grab that yarn yeah let yeah. the let the hook do the work that's a another tip that I try to give my students you're well relax your shoulders they're in your ears so you can't hear me when you when you have your shoulders in your ears relax <laughs> your shoulders shake about and let the hook do the work back and forth and not not be so tense mm. I love this. And I want to emphasize too, for people who, again, like me, feel intimidated by crochet, that's not the only art form featured in this book. And you say fiber magic is sympathetic magic mm -hmm. elevated to an art form, which I love that yes. is romantic and beautiful and magical, but you feature weaving and braiding mm -hmm. and something that 
also it kind of reminds me of when I said I just wanted to run around stitching up everything when I learned about these Japanese techniques I want to start tying bows on everything because you talk about something called not magic time bombs and (laughs) I have to have you tell the audience what a not magic time bomb is well not magic is really a magic of convenience where you tie your intention into a knot for releasing later. So you take this big energy like a happy home and you bring it down into a knot, tie a bow on a gift. So this way it sits there until the recipient unties the bow, which releases the energy of a happy home for a, you know, for a new home or whatever kind of gift. So happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever you put into that knot. So these are like time bombs, you know, Uh, maybe, maybe it started out back in the day to be maybe a curse. Don't open this seal or, you know, you're going to get it, but your intention creates the magic. So if you're going to put good health in that knot, in that boat, then that's what's going to be released when the person opens your gift. Okay. I love it both ways. I love the idea of tying up. I'm a journal keeper and I'm not really sure what compels me because there's sort of the terror of someone reading my journal because I just, I I give it up. I say everything in there. Right, right. It's not something you want someone else to read. And when I was a kid, I love that idea of those, you know, the diaries that would lock. And I like that you can kind of energetically do that. It's like a curse on your journal. Like, you know, woe to thee who opens this journal and unties this knot. (laughs) (laughs) The person who peeks in this journal will have a headache and not be able to read it. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think that's so... Fun, actually. I love stuff like that. And also, again, I will never wrap another present in the same way. It'll always be magical now, infusing the gift with a time bomb, you know, and just the joy of watching someone open a gift or sending it in the mail and just imagining like, oh, they're going to untie this and it's going to release my intention. I tell you, it certainly beats that glitter that you get sometimes. My goodness. Do people still do that? I remember when that was a trend. It was like exciting in the beginning. And I think we all decided this is abuse. (laughs) (laughs) There's also, I want to say to you, for people who love to get super witchy, there are very witchy or pagan, you might say, crafts in here, like hand fasting cords and poppets, which is a personal favorite of mine. And I love the witch's ladder. Can you explain what a witch's ladder is, what it does? Basically, a witch's ladder is a series of knots tied in a cord, and it's hung, traditionally, it would be hung in a barn or a home to bless or protect uh, the the animals or people that lived there. And um, they they found uh, old ones like up in the Pennsylvania Dutch area where those old barns are, are still standing. They found them in the rafters uh, mm. for years. It could be like forty knots in a in a cord just hanging there, and a feather or something stuck in the in the knots. 
and they call those uh, witches' ladders. It's become a way of doing not magic spells, and I explain the the not magic poem with knot of one, the spells begun, and the order in which to tie the knots. And then I made my own type of witch's ladder where you use the chakra colors for the various meanings and to assign them to different aspects of a happy home. And then you use feathers, sticks. I love to save the sticks from my rosemary plants. I use the rosemary and then I I keep the twigs for witches' ladders and spell work and things like that. And um, you hang that in your home just the same way as the original witches did for protection of the people that live there. Yeah. I'm sure those people in Pennsylvania brought that over from Europe as well. So who knows how far back that goes? Absolutely. Yeah. My grandmother on my father's side, who I never met in life, was born in northern Italy, um, up above Rome in Tuscany, where the Etruscans first settled. So I I naturally gravitate towards Strega and Italian witchcraft. And that's very earthy witchcraft, like getting back to basics where, you know, before religion, where your witchcraft was just keeping your family alive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they didn't even call it witchcraft. It was the way of life. Right. And that's why, you know, people may not understand today exactly why, how uh, a person could be Catholic and a witch, but back in the day, it wasn't even thought about because your religion and your lifestyle were two different things. You know, you did what you had to do. Right. To survive. To protect your family. To protect your family. Keep everybody healthy, you know? Is that your Granny Lula that you're talking about? No, Granny Lula is my mother's mother, was my mother's mother. (laughs) She was born in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Hmm. So that side of the family has been in the United States since Uh, before the Revolutionary War. And uh, my mother-in-law did my my ancestry back to Scotland in the 1400s. So I have that Celtic flavor too. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, really when when you're looking at it from Northern Italy up to Scotland, all that Germanic and Celtic, and that's where I that's where I'm from. <laughs> okay. I, ha- I have to ask about your granny because you mentioned her in the book. Yeah, she, she really uh, raised me. My mother and father, they had their own issues. And so a lot of times I would escape to granny's room. And that's where I got to play in the button drawer. And I was taught to crochet. And it just was an escape and such a comfort that it naturally grew into my spirituality. You were saying something about how what you learned from her, her teaching you crochet and whatnot, it ended up later echoing in your spiritual life when you found witchcraft. Yes, because as a, you know, baby pagan, I was drawn to candle magic 
and all the sympathetic magics, kitchen witchery. I, you know, love to stir the pot. Yeah. <laughs> Figuratively and <laughs> as well as literally. And um, so adding herbs and oils and this and that. And, and, and that's when I realized that, you know, I do the same thing when I'm crocheting because I'll go into my craft room. I'll look at all the colors. I'll see what pops out at me, what goes together, how it makes me feel, you know, because really it's a, a lot about art is a lot about how you feel, how it makes you feel. And then it's interesting to see how it makes other people feel when you're finished, you know? Absolutely. So. Yeah. I tend to think of magic as casting a spell on myself. I know not everybody thinks of it that way, but I feel I am an attractive kind of lightning rod of energy. What I make of myself is what I attract and bring into my world. And it feels a little bit like sympathetic magic to me, only I am the the art, if that makes sense. Can you explain a little bit what sympathetic magic is? Uh, sympathetic magic is basically like equals like. So if you want it to rain, you're going to pour a little water on your altar so that you draw the rain. So what you're doing is exactly correct. You are being the person you want to be, which attracts people who like you like that. Right. So you are first, instead of saying, I'm going to be such a way to attract a certain kind of people, you're, you're going to say, I'm going to be me and it will attract the people that I need in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The things that come to me will be what I need. Yeah. And there's so That's many me's, there's so many versions of me inside I like to be yes. really intentional. Like what part of myself do I want to bring forward? You know, cause there's parts of me that are toxic and dangerous and mm. not my mm. best self, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if I'm doing something like chanting or whatever, it's to really tap into the part of me that's beautiful and loving and generous and all the things that I think we all want to be. Yes. So when you're performing sympathetic magic and you're making a poppet, for example, yes. is it your belief that the poppet itself is then becoming its own attractive entity in a way? Does it, am I making sense here? Separate from you, like the poppet has its own life. Like if you made that poppet and then you just split, you left the planet and the poppet remained, someone finds that poppet a week later, does that poppet still have that energy and is it transferred onto the other person? Yes. <laughs> yes. The poppet, the poppet becomes its own entity, mm -hmm. but I, I will keep connections with them. There is work that I do that then I'll uh, sell or give away. If someone has purchased a spell or, or poppet. And then six months later, now, I'm not thinking about that poppet every day, but six months later, it just kind of pops into my head. Then I'm thinking, well, I think that poppet needs a little more zhuzh. And I'll just send that out because maybe that person, not the poppet, the person needs to be reminded that they have that poppet and they should use it just to call attention to it. I'll call it bringing attention to something, yeah. sending that out to that person. 
I love that. So if they buy a poppet from you, they're not just buying the poppet, they're buying the magic. Yes, with a maintenance plan. <laughs> with a maintenance plan. <laughs> I love that you said pop too. Like you just said, yeah. <laughs> easy to remember, easy to remember. <laughs> Yay. And I also, I'm so curious about the time you spent in the Unitarian Universalist church is it fair to call mm-hmm. it a church yes it's a church is. in addition to that there's another layer that you can go deeper with the covenant of unitarian universalist pagan yes. what what do we, it's a lot of words cups let's call it <laughs> yes it's cups okay so the unitarian universalist organization right has a section for pagans because there's no one religion that's supposed to be taught under that UU, every avenue to spirit is valid. Of course, different churches in different parts of the country will have different flavors because of the majority of people that go there may tend to be more Christian or tend to be more Buddhist or whatever, you know, whatever they are. Cups is a place for Uh, Unitarian Universalist Pagans, and that was a study group that happened every Thursday. I was introduced to that maybe 10 years ago. I started attending, and I became a a leader of the CUPS group in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, we went along for quite a while, but one of our members graduated. She's now a full-fledged pagan minister, So we separated ourselves from the Unitarian Universalist Church and created our own church. We are the Moon Path Grove, a nonprofit 501c3 here in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm the president. (laughs) So so we, we do our meetings every Friday, and they are in person and on Zoom. So if you go to moonpathgrove.org, you can get in on that. And we're in the um, a Broward uh, meetup too, in meetup under Broward Pagan Events, Moonpath Grove. So anybody can join us. What do you do at these meetups? We have a presentation every week that's done by a different member of the Grove. Tomorrow night, we are going to have a dedication because we have a year and a day program. So one of our members is uh, having her year in a day. So we're going to do a ritual for that. I'm going to be doing a four-part series on environmental, elemental environmentalism. (laughs) Okay. Earth, four parts, earth, air, fire, and water. Going to talk about the magic of the element and then what we should be doing to protect the element. Oh, that's timely. Another thing we have in the group is, uh, we call it the Green Man Alliance. And under that committee, we uh, do works, environmental works. In March, we're going to be gleaning the fields in Bell Glade. We're going to be picking the crops. You know, after the big machinery goes through, there's a lot of uh, food left on the ground that the companies don't, they just leave it there. So this organization... St. Andrew's Society sets up gleaning in South Florida. So you go and you glean for two hours, you just pick up all the food, and then they take it to the food bank 
for us. So we're going to do that. Then we're going to go have a picnic in the park and then with a ritual to Lady Florida, thanking her for her bounty. That sounds wonderful. This is the benefit of having a church-like situation is getting to do amazing things like you're doing for the community and the world at large, literally the planet earth (laughs) and having community, a sense of community, because I think a lot of people gravitate toward pagan ideas or becoming a witch Mm -hmm. as a reaction to the religion they grew up in. And yes, a lot of people are solitary because they're practically allergic to the word church or religion or anything like that. So it's nice that there are groups like what you have set up that are, is this, would you describe this as a coven or it's coven-like? A lot of our members like to call it their coven. It's not a coven in that it is uh, public, open to the public. You know, there's no secret handshake and there's no, uh, you know, no rules. There's no dogma. You can bring whatever you believe with you. And we'd love you to do a presentation on it. You know, it's just all inclusive. We just want to learn from each other and support each other. Mm -hmm. And it's just a place where you can find, you know, a like-minded group of people to do stuff with. Yeah. Do you bring your fiber magic into this equation? Absolutely. <laughs> you must, right? You have to. You're the, fi- you're the fiber magic lady. <laughs> yes. You know, I've started a trend really. Uh, um, a lot of us bring our crocheting or knitting or whatever to do while we're talking or listening. I, I listen better when my hands are busy. Some people are like that, but I try when it, when I do presentation, I'll, I'll try very hard to include some sort of craft. You know, we do have our weekly craft. We have a group that plarns. We may. Plarn. What is a plarn? Yeah. There is a section on it in the book. It is making plastic yarn from grocery bags, the grocery oh. bags. And so we make plastic yarn. We make um, mats and we donate them to the homeless shelter so that people will have a water resistant uh, layer between the ground and their blanket. So it's recycling. Yes. It keeps every mat keeps four to 700, depending on the size of the bag, bags out of the landfill and offers a little comfort to a human being. Oh, this is lovely. So we have a monthly meeting and I Zoom that also. We have members in Texas and Canada, California. And, and it's happened this past year or two when we were forced to Zoom because we couldn't meet in person. Right. And, you know, you've got to take what good has come of a, of a terrible disaster, right. you know, and, and run with it. So we're going to continue to be hybrid in our meetings so that we don't lose these people and we just grow uh, nationwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that the fiber magic has evolved to include environmental issues, to repurpose these plastics that mm-hmm. are part of what's destroying our planet, turn it into something purposeful for the cause. And also I don't think most people, I would say most, many people do not grow up with a magical grandmother that teaches them 
these crafts, these arts. And I love that you're keeping it alive and teaching a new generation of people that can then bring this back to their families and create something, you know, when they have grandchildren that they can pass on that special that is, I think, and maybe this is my inner granny speaking, but I think it's a shame that we are being trained out of our sense of presence to become just addicts to the internet. Things are moving very, very quickly. I completely see the benefits of the internet, but also it's doing something to our minds. I know science is able to measure what it's doing to our minds. And I think anything that brings us into our bodies and creates a sense of mindfulness is good. And crafting is one of those things. Yes, something that takes a little longer than 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> to give children these tools now seems important. Yes. If, if it's not fiber magic, something that challenge yeah. that they can feel a sense of accomplishment is very important and be in their body, you know, something physical that and hands on. In November, we did a Renaissance fair in South Florida, and I sold 40 of these books and they were most all of them to young people who said things like, I remember my granny doing this, but she never taught me how, oh. you know, so, so I am the Strega Nona. I am the granny, oh. the fiber magic granny that's going to show this next generation how to use their hands and, uh, and create things with feelings. What a mission. <laughs> yes, that's my mission. Yeah. And you say this book started out as your own personal book of shadows. Yes, this was just uh, me writing everything down. And when I wrote a little self-published book that I now refer to as the pamphlet, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it got the attention of Llewellyn because I this one saw it and that one saw it, whatever, however that happens. And uh, that's when I was encouraged to go around the house, get all these scraps of paper, get all these you know, notes and, and thoughts and uh, put them into some sort of organization. It was, it was quite a journey for me and it really taught me a lot and improved my conversational skills for sure. Mm. Yeah, well, I think what you were saying about young people buying your book and you getting to pass this down as like the granny of fiber magic. That, <laughs> that is part of the fantasy too, of like, we all like go up into the attic and we find our grandmother's old book of shadows you know, that teaches her secrets. You know, many of us are not going to have that experience so we can get this book and, and learn from you. I am an actual granny. My daughter and granddaughter both crochet. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's such a beautiful tradition. Yeah, I have four children that I, I taught them all, but the one, Sarah, really, really took off with it, and she's my partner in crime, and then I have nine grandchildren. You know, who knows what's going to come out of that? <laughs> yeah, and, and then this whole witchy home filled with this stuff that they're going to probably get to inherit one day. <laughs> yes, she, she's got first dibs on my craft room, and I don't need it anymore. <laughs> Okay, I'm pretty sure this is movie magic that I'm drawing from, but have you ever made like a dream blanket where you infuse the blanket, you know, for someone to sleep under and have dreams? Dreams, that's interesting. I've made blankets before to infuse with uh, healing, you know, mm. and uh, I usually, when I clean my house, I have blankets all over the place. 
Right. I will um, put some Reiki healing in the one on my chair, the one on my husband's chair. I remember one time my, my daughter-in-law wasn't feeling so well and she grabbed one of the blankets that I had just zhuzhed and she wrapped herself up in it. She goes, I feel better. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, you picked the right blanket then. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I think I saw that in a movie. I want to say it was called Doc Hollywood where the blanket, you know, if you sleep under this blanket, you'll dream of your love, like your true love or something like that. But, you know, movie magic is pretty magical sometimes. And Yeah, that does give me ideas though. A dream blanket. Isn't that interesting? Just say that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> write that down. Next book. <laughs> I also love that you include embroidered sigils. Kind of going back to what I was saying about stitching my, you know, my holy jeans and things like that. I love that you can stitch a sigil into your clothes, maybe in a secret place where it empowers you or in a visible place where it just kind of serves as mm -hmm. maybe an amplification of your energy or some kind of warning to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be nice to crochet like the inside aligning on a jacket or a, or a bag. You know, if you have a tote bag with a lining, you could put the sigil inside uh, that draws money. Keep your wallet in there, you know, yeah. or draw, draws uh, uh, friendship and keep your cell phone in there. You know, it, it can be part of your everyday life when yes. you start thinking about it because there's no end to the possibilities. I feel like it's a little bit addictive because my mind is just, I could do this and I could do that. <laughs> I have tell a, me about it. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> I have a signature move with my hair. I've been braiding my hair. I just have long, silky, stringy, depending on the day, hair. So to be interesting, when I was young, I would braid my hair. It just became part of my identity. There's always a braid somewhere in my hair. It's either all braided or there's a little piece. And when mm -hmm. I got into magic, I... I'm standing there in the mirror braiding my hair. I just was like, I might as well make this magical and infuse this with intention. And you can put a bead in it or a feather, kind of like you do with the witch's ladder, but in your own hair. Of course. Uh, in fact, I did a not magic class last weekend and we did the knot of one, the spells begun and everybody did their thing. And then as uh, people were walking out, this one young woman stopped and thanked me and she had had she had the the cord braided in her hair oh <laughs> she, i love that it's just it was just part of her uh, just normal thing to do finished it braided it into her hair and there now now i have my witch's ladder in my hair <laughs> yeah it's fun you know it opens your eyes to the magic all around you and it makes the mundane life more magical to just start contemplating these things that you do every day, these clothes that you wear, you know, what you're doing in the kitchen. Possibility for magic is everywhere. It's in everything you do. It's just a matter of intention and being mindful. Yep. That's the difference between that religion versus lifestyle that our ancestors knew very well, but we kind of have to relearn. Yeah. You know? Because we yeah. think, well, yeah. I just, I'm a pagan from seven to nine on Friday nights when I go to the Grove meeting. No, mm. you are 24-7 a pagan. What you going to do about it? <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, then your life becomes, in a way, like a spiritual walk. Because I think a lot of what we do now often, not we, 
every single person, but I'm just speaking generally, is we tend to race through those opportunities. You know, like dinner is just something to get through really quickly, you know, <laughs> like get it over with or getting ready in the morning and just being intentional about it, I think makes your life more joyful and more worth living to tap into the magic of the moment and slow down for a second to really connect with your own life, really. Absolutely. Everybody's working for the weekend. And that's why you always hear people saying, oh, can you believe that it's January already? You know, next thing you know, can you believe that it's June already? Well, you've fast forwarded through it, you know? Yep. Being forward. And the big businesses, they don't help us because we had Valentine's Day candy the minute after Christmas. Right. You know, so... (laughs) (laughs) it's like they all run together there's nothing special to look forward to (laughs) yeah yeah although I do I do remember when I very very first got into the wheel of the year and you know just the different phases of the moon some first thoughts I have was like wow this is a lot you know like every six weeks or so there's a holiday but then it, it turned and I thought well, yeah, every six weeks or so there's a holiday and it's a chance to pause and be mindful of the season, what's going on right now. And to really tap into the energy of the earth, wherever you live, like what that looks like and what's going on with the nature in your area. And to me, it encourages a pause, not so much like, yay, Valentine candy's on sale right after Christmas. (laughs) Right. Wait, save it for in bulk. Melting. Um, I, I love Imolk. Thank you for mentioning Imolk. I have a special place in my heart for it. And I loved, you know, that was another fun beginning thing. These just these bizarre words like, what is an Imolk? You know, <laughs> Lamas, Lunasad, like these strange words. It's funny how quickly you can familiarize yourself with the wheel of the year when it can seem so foreign at first. Yeah. Think about it this way. If you were living 500 years ago in an agricultural society, that would be your next day off. <laughs> mm. So six weeks is, uh, you know, a long time. Quickly, right? <laughs> you know, six weeks is nothing. <laughs> to them, it was a season. <laughs> true, 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 true. Well, if people are loving what you're saying, you've actually mentioned a couple of different ways for them to participate. Is there, for people that are listening on the go, I will try to link to all the things in the show notes, but most people listen on the go. Do you have a URL we can direct them to that will lead them to all the things? Fibermagic.com has links to everything. That's my hub. Fibermagic with a K. Yes. Okay, perfect. That is perfect. I always end this with asking the same exact question. Maybe we can give it a fiber magic spin perhaps, but what is one tip that you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? My one tip is to encourage people to ask themselves, what would my five year from now self want me to be doing today? Mm. Yeah. How do you make that person proud five years out? Yeah. So if, if you don't want to be doing what you're doing now, five years from now, then get on the ball. I like that perspective. Sometimes I think about, I I keep bringing it back to granny stuff, but I think about who I will be as an old woman, looking back on who I am today. 
And sometimes I can give myself advice from that perspective, or I can just, it's a call to action. Like, who do I want to be today that will make that version of myself proud or smile when I look back? Absolutely. Because too many people use it as an excuse. Oh, I should have started that five years ago. <laughs> mm. Well, you're, you're just going to keep saying that. <laughs> right. Start it now. Five years ago is today, people. <laughs> today. well thank you so much for doing this opal it was so much fun and educational i learned some things well thank you very much for having me i had a good time grandmas grannies nonas these people are magical i keep seeing these granny synchronicities popping up everywhere especially since my grandma died around thanksgiving i keep hearing stories of people whose grandmothers raised them or who just made a difference in their life and getting a chance to talk about my tea party grandma. I'll I'll always grab a chance to talk about my tea party grandma because she made everything so magical for me, for me and my sister. And that was it. It wasn't grandiose. It wasn't for any other reason other than to connect with these small children and create a sense of wonder and I encourage all of us to do that with the children in our lives to really see them and really hear them and really share our hearts with them it makes a huge difference even for a child who is living in a dysfunctional home or having a lot of issues at school to have one grown-up even a grandma I can't even say even a grandma. I think grandmas, they have a super magical power (laughs) to have one grown-up who really sees you and really believes in you and invests in you time and energy to teach you something like how to thread a needle, how to crochet an entire blanket, how to perform magic, how to make a special meal, how to see a tiny bug on a leaf on a summer day. It's so special. And I think we can all be that for someone. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to learn more about Fiber Magic from Opal Luna, go to FiberMagic.com. I'm over at JoannaDevoe.com. I hope that you are having an amazing 2022 so far. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.